0: Hey, I'm walking here, cause I'm protesting the lack of child labor laws. We're talking newsies on today's. We're not affiliated with Netflix. Welcome to KidFlix, the podcast where adults try to definitively rank every kid's movie ever made. I'm your host, Ross Wiseman, and this show is not for kids, so turn this off and have trouble sitting still in an air-conditioned theater for two hours. My guest today, she's she's uh, one of the oldest friends that I've had on the podcast, not in terms of age, because uh, that's rude. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, she's a dear friend of mine. She's also the community engagement... Uh, person for Camp Galileo, where we both grew up, and who, uh, which has come up on the podcast plenty of times, it's Molly Wernick.
1: Hi, Molly. Hey, Ross. Thanks for having me. Yeah,
0: thanks for having me, literally in your home, in
1: my home with my dog.
0: Yeah, Ducky has had a silent appearance uh, on the All Dogs Go to Heaven episode with your hubby, uh,
1: the one <laughs> uh, and only Andrew, Andrew Davies. Davies. I was gonna call
0: him husband, but then I switched halfway through to hubby. No,
1: he's my husband. Actually, yeah, <laughs> my husband. That's the new word.
0: Yeah, and uh, I'm very excited to talk about uh, this movie slash musical. So you had the great idea. So we're talking newsies today, and you came up with a great idea that we should compare the two. So the uh, original 1992 movie to the stage production. To uh, so, if you're listening to this, I think you have a wh- about a week or two left before Netflix takes it off. So
1: they're taking it off. Yeah,
0: I like turned it on this morning, oh and it God. said like available until March 5th.
1: Go and see it.
0: Yeah. So let's just hop right into it. So uh, I, and we can both kind of chime in on this because we both kind of have a shared history, but I guess you started off. So talk a little bit about your history with Newsies.
1: Yeah. So, uh, I just want to, before we even get to camp, really shout out, um, my elementary school music teacher, Mrs. Ort from Myers Elementary. Yeah. Where we had a spring concert and a fall concert um, every year for elementary school choir. And I would say one out of every three concerts we participated in was a Newsies review. So, starting from second grade, I was there singing, carrying the banner. And I remember like all of the girls always wanted the girl solos. So, like the Patrick's oh. mother or the nuns, because yes. like, but really, there was a good distribution of solos. But like, I think I can really credit that to knowing. In 1899, the streets of New York City echoed with the voices of oh, newsies. Um, I could continue. But when uh, it became a movie night favorite at camp, one, my elementary school experience was firmly validated. Um, but it really just became further ingrained into the, the camp nostalgia and spirit that we both experienced.
0: Yeah. So my first year at camp was 2006 and it already felt really well established. Do you remember the first year that, uh, Galiol had the movie play?
1: No, no. But I think, I don't, I don't think it was 2006. I think it was a little bit later, but I actually wrote an entire, um, musical parody with the uh, with kind of the plot line of newsies, but um, where Galil was the newsies and our neighbors were trying to take our sound away. And oh, it was like a, a special day and I it was think all themed this. around this like They can't silence our voices. And um, we were having some noise ordinance.
0: Yes, uh, because the camp is located. So a lot of camps, you know, are in the middle of nowhere. But we are located. We're like surrounded by different farm and farm sites. And turns out that uh, farmers don't like it when you're blasting like Cotton Eye Joe and like Jewish hip hop at like 11pm.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. For sure. I mean, granted, like one thing on a Friday, but on a Tuesday night. And so there was actually one summer where we um, moved a lot of our parties to be kind of silent discos.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's that's when you um, everybody brings their iPod and their headphone. Remember iPod iPods?
1: No, but we did.
0: Yeah, I I was recently home and my iPod is covered in dust and I feel so bad for it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so it's everybody listens to their own music, but you just kind of have the general rule of, like make it the hypest music that you have on your iPod, and everybody would just go to their uh, dance the beat of their own drum.
1: Totally, totally. Yeah. So I I rewrote all of the lyrics to the Newsies um songs where we were not letting them silence our voice and uh and our music and we needed to be loud and raucous and we performed it on a on a special day.
0: Yeah, cuz um oh, was that the w- no, that wouldn't have been the wizard of Oz special day. which no, was I- also about labor rights. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so so context and we we've hinted at it a little bit on the podcast, but since <laughs> this is going to be such a heavy camp episode, so Camp Galileo um is uh Labor Zionist Socialist Camp, which, a lot of buzzwords, um, some loaded today, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but essentially it's just kind of like uh, uh, taking the values of socialism and kind of making it very digestible f- for kids, so obviously the basics, just kind of like sharing, uh, individual responsibility, working for the greater good, those were kind of the things, so Newsies fit right in there
1: especially with the themes of youth autonomy which are really at the heart of everything that we try and build at camp Mm -hmm. where it is like the the youth leadership whether it's um, college students who are designing educational curriculum or running the operations or um, 15 year olds who are staging um 12 hour revolutions in their own right Like, the power for the youth to change something that they see and disagree with is at the core of the community. So that's really where you get to the power of the messaging of Newsies and how it relates to the Camp Galil spirit.
0: Yeah, and I think watching watching Newsies today, I kind of thought in the back of my mind, like, this is a little bit much just like this one guy, you know, like, being like, hey, Jack, you're the voice of a revolution. But at the same time... Like, that did happen in 1899, and, like, as a kid, definitely resonated with me. Yeah, for sure. Um, Actually, I remember the first... So, the first time I saw Newsies was uh, my first summer at camp in 2006, and so the start of the movie is very weird, because it's, it's like, a Disney musical, but you wouldn't know that if you just watched the first 10 seconds, because it's, like, it looks like a Civil War documentary, because it's, like, a picture of, like, a dusty kid, and it says... Uh, as you were saying before, in 1899, the the youth oh I strike. oh I have it yeah. In
1: 1899, the streets of New York City echoed with the voices of newsies peddling the papers of Joseph Pulitzer, William Randolph Hearst, and other giants of the newspaper world.
0: Yeah, and I remember re- seeing that, and I was like, oh man, they said it was a movie night, and we're just gonna watch a history lesson, and then the movie starts very not subtly with like a <laughs> that's little... my
1: cigar yeah. <laughs>
0: Uh, which I will say in the musical, I was very not happy that they slightly changed the lyrics Mm -hmm. because it was, I was thrown off and like, I had the lyric, like the the subtitle so I could sing along and (laughs) I was like, I'm not learning slightly new lyrics.
1: Right, right, right.
0: Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Also, I think... Uh, it makes sense that they took it out, but I thought it was weird that they took out the part where the where Patrick's mom sings because mm. I do I also don't remember who Patrick is. I don't
1: there isn't a character yeah Patrick. okay he's yeah, yeah. He's I thought like so. faceless faceless newsy boy
0: because <laughs> i I've had conversations with people about Newsies saying that that is the one thing that is so bizarre in that movie because I looked into it and they were gonna have this whole like running thing about just like, oh. Because some kids just run away from home and become mm-hmm. newsies. So they can just kind of be... Uh,
1: independent. Independent. Yeah. Just,
0: just like Jack Kelly. And uh, they just didn't. But then they forgot to take it out of the song. So that's just like a weird uh, like appendix of uh, yeah. the song. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Totally.
0: But, so you actually, right before we started recording, you told me... Hey, Ducky. Uh, just <laughs> making sure he's not chewing on the wire. Yeah. Uh, nah, he's good. But uh, you told me that you saw... Um, a preview of the musical uh, when it was playing at the Paper Mill uh, Playhouse in New Jersey. That's so, correct. So what, w- what was that like? You just kind of got, I'm assuming it was just kind of like cheap tickets because they're just testing stuff out.
1: Surprise, surprise. I went with a whole slew of my camp friends. Of course you did. Of course I did. Yeah. Uh, this is maybe in 2011, 2012, maybe. Something yeah. like that. Um, yeah. And we went and we saw it and there was, def- as they introduced new music... Um There were some challenges with it not being exactly the way that you remembered it when you have something that 's so closely tied to nostalgia. Mm-hmm. There is a resistance to letting it grow um, but I actually think that some of the changes between um the movie and the musical in the in the development of the characters and a few of the songs um, are pretty solid enhancements, so like the thing that I picked up on right away that made me. Um, The Happiest was the transition of, from the movie, the Sarah character. Yes. The sister, who is the love interest um, of Jack Kelly, um, to the female protagonist, Catherine, who is a journalist who actually helps move the plot along. Mm -hmm. Where you see this, like, this, uh, the strong only woman character, really, in the movie become... Um, actually, uh, much less of an object and more of a solid figure. And she's also going through being taken seriously as a journalist, being a woman in the turn of the century. And that's even a like back and forth piece that she has with some of the newsies where they're going about their own rights and they're all trying to make changes, but they still see this female writer. As one who isn't really worthy of their time, but you can see right away that she is sharp. Um and she's like a brilliant writer, and um her song Watch What Happens, I think is just so it was poignant. So, and, it's so good. And
0: I thought that was the best of the the new songs for the yeah. show. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Cause also absolutely.
0: Sarah in the movie, she's a good character yeah. and she's like very supportive, but It's very much that they're like, okay, we need a female character in this movie because it can't be all boys. But at the same time, like looking towards that era and thinking like, like realistically, what were girls her age primarily doing? Right. And it kind of sucks that that's all she got to do.
1: Right. Thinking about the scene in the movie where um, Sarah and the little brother, Les, are walking down the street. She's holding a basket of laundry. And the Delancey brothers... Um, come up to her like they're going to try and rough her up. And she has her arms like close to her side, holding the basket of laundry and just sort of like turns to try and nudge them away. And it's just the epitome of, um, of like female weakness that it's like, this is not a woman who can stand for herself. And it is um, really up to her brother, David and intervention from Jack and less to a lesser extent, um, who really defend her. So to see that female protagonist really get another chance um, in the musical, I think gave so much more value and heart to the power of the story.
0: Yeah. And and also, so in the movie, uh, the the character that's helping the Newsies is, uh, he is Bill Pullman's character, Brian Denton. And he plays a similar role in that he he's the one taking the Newsy seriously. Um, but then it just becomes this whole thing where it's just like, oh, my boss told me I have to cover politics or whatever now. Ace
1: war correspondent, Brian Denton. Yes.
0: And, and then, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen the musical, um, so the reveal that Catherine is um, uh, Joseph Pulitzer's daughter, it also kind of makes it feel a little bit more special and poignant. Like, okay, this explains kind of... Her de- devotion to the cause, to journalism itself, and you know how a woman in 1899 could start her career because
1: yeah, that absolutely. really wasn't
0: an option. And uh, so I didn't realize this when uh, researching for this that um, this was Disney's first full-length live-action live action musical. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. uh, obviously they've done Mary Poppins, but that had all this animation. So this was their first real uh, full musical. So I I think they were kind of nervous, like. How much can we really do? How much do we make it kind of like our cartoons? And so obviously adapting it to Broadway, uh, they kind of got to make things a little bit more cohesive, uh, even though the, wor- the worst part that I do think about the musical is uh, the introduction of Jack as an artist.
1: Yeah, yeah. That was an interesting an interesting shift.
0: Because I guess it made more sense <laughs> as to why he was hanging out at the strip club all the time, or not the strip club. Um, the
1: vaudeville club. The
0: vaudeville club. Yeah. Uh, even though in the movie it was. Pretty much just like a G-rated strip club, it felt like.
1: Yeah, it's a it's a, it's of the time.
0: I get I I just was so thrown off. What what's the one song that uh, they sing um, in the
1: musical?
0: No, in the movie. Um. Oh, what is it? Hard
1: Hard time. No, oh, uh, and uh, uh,
0: Margaret singing my lovey dovey baby. Oh yeah
1: yeah 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 yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah.
0: But yeah, I mean, other than that, I think yeah, the musical is great. Uh, the harmonies are a lot better. Yeah. Just, in general, the songs just sound better because it's not Christian Bale singing. And also your dog has officially taken both of my both, shoes. Both
1: shoes. Fortunately, um, Ducky does not destroy anything. He just stockpiles it all in that's one great. place. And yeah.
0: I, I've been worried that my shoes don't smell enough.
1: So now you now that's a, what an opportunity it is. So speaking of stockpiling, how about those nice. newspapers?
0: Oh, Yeah. Are we talking about the newspaper dancing?
1: Oh my God. In King of New York?
0: Uh, King of New York... Yeah, I think it is King of New York that they do it. I forgot. Yeah. Or also Seize the Day, I think. Yeah. Yeah, so sees the Day, they do, it's a, a four-minute dance break where they're just, like, ripping newspapers. The audience is going wild. wild. They are going apeshit crazy over the intense dancing and singing.
1: Yeah, the choreography in the Broadway show definitely got a step up, mm-hmm. for sure, for sure, for sure. But Would, the choreography in the movie is also really wonderful, too. Yeah,
0: because also it was directed by choreographer Kenny Ortega, mm-hmm. who went on to do the High School Musical series.
1: There, you saw it there first, folks. Um, yeah, the, I mean, the one choreographed piece from the movie that I always felt was a little out of place was um, Jack's dance break in Santa Fe. Yes. A lot of, like, whoos and hahs and then he, like, mounts a horse and rides away. And I'm like... Okay, listen, like, people breaking out in, into spontaneous dance is uh, not something that one would typically expect, but I think this individual on in the streets of New York in the middle of the night, it was a little, um, uh, what's the... It's a little, like, footloose.
0: Yes. You, oh, totally. Yeah, yeah and um, I I will say, I'm, I've never been a fan of Santa Fe. I think out of the entire show, it's my least favorite Whoa,
1: song. Whoa, hot take. Especially...
0: I mean, it's better in the musical. Mm. I thought it was cool. It was interesting that they opened the musical with that. Yes,
1: yeah, for sure. Because
0: you kind of just get a feel of uh, uh, Jack. And also...
1: Crutchy. Yeah,
0: weird... Yeah, I forgot that his name was Crutchy, and I was like, oh, that's, ju- that's just what they all call him. Yeah, 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 And then yeah, yeah. in the musical, they really go hard on being like, let's show him getting beaten up. Yeah, uh, which yeah. Which was not fun at, like, nine Just, like, the openness
1: morning. of, yeah, calling him a crip, and I'm like, well, all right. Yeah, that's-
0: but hey, he uses it to his advantage to sell more papes.
1: Right, right, right. That's but, a, that's but a still, Um. Yeah. Anyway.
0: What... Molly, this is an important question. Yeah. What would be your technique to sell papers?
1: Wow! Wow! I
0: don't know how much you've thought about this in your life yeah. as you grew up.
1: Yeah. Um, I can honestly say that's never anything that I had, <laughs> I had considered. I, you know, I've I've done a lot of tabling, um, you know, for for various things, mm-hmm. and I think that that's sort of like, what will it take to get somebody to look in your direction? Um and to be honest I think that I would I would make it more of a conversation or display that somebody wanted to be a part of. Sure. Um so if you approach a table and people are playing a game or watching a uh clip or having some sort of opportunity to engage, writing something down, painting, coloring something, mm-hmm. um I think that that's more of an invitation. So, okay, here's what I would do. I would get a singing partner. Oh. And we would stand on the street and we would sing the headlines.
0: Okay, so trolley strike enter second week.
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly like that.
0: Yeah, you'll never
1: believe what happened next, but you gotta buy a pape
0: yeah oh yeah yeah you got you can't reveal the bottom of the fold. no no for sure I, I
1: yeah, I learned that expression or I thought about it for the first time when watching the uh recording of the stage performance
0: mm-hmm. yeah, above they, the
1: fold
0: yeah, we talked about that a little bit in high school when I did the the newspaper uh, but obviously it didn't get to this. <laughs> yeah, ducky the dog is going wild he's he's in a he's in a little bit of a nippy mood, but that's okay. And he's definitely trying to eat stuff, yeah. but we're okay with that. Yeah. Um, I th- I would say that my technique is probably because when I was an RA, I guess that's the closest that I've been to a newsie. Mm. Um, <laughs> they're basically the same job, yeah, yeah. Ex- just like different bad hats. Um, but I would just just like make eye contact. I would uh, big give a big smile, and then just like a little bit of guilt, like mm. come on, guys, like come buy my newspaper.
1: Right, right. You, you owe me this much. Yeah. And I think that, um, the lines, uh, you know, like it's not lying, it's improving the truth. Yeah. Right. And like one was, you know, well, like my father told me not to lie. Um, and then Jack said, my father, David said, my father taught me not to lie. And Jack said, my father told me not to starve. Um, and so like that is a very interesting, uh, difference in a uh, in perspective of two different people of like what are what are your priorities here mm-hmm. um, and David was coming from a different sort of situation where he had a family he had a bed he had this people to cook for him. a temporary
0: thing. Yeah
1: for sure right that David's dad says like once I'm back at the factory then you're back to school. Yeah. Um, and so like can you really wrong Jack for having this slightly dishonest strategy when he is really just trying to eat
0: exactly and i mean for the most part somebody that is in the market for a newspaper even if it's not super accurate they'll be like okay i'll still read it right um yeah uh, i'm just looking at some of the notes that i took yeah yeah and i mean and obviously we have such an affinity for this movie and i think With age, this movie has gotten so much love. Obviously, an adaptation for Broadway, that wouldn't happen unless it was this phenomenon, but...
1: It flopped in the theaters when it first got there. It made,
0: I think, $3 million, if that... Yeah, it
1: ended up making a a quarter of its production budget.
0: Yeah. Which also, for a Disney movie, $15 million is pretty bare bones for them, but... I, I I wish I looked up a trailer because I'm curious how they marketed it. But,
1: oh, interesting. But
0: it I can't imagine. It must have been, I feel like a lot of people had the same feeling that I had back in 2006 when I was watching it for the first time being like, oh, it's like an educational thing. Because mm-hmm. without animation kind of as a crutch and it's live action, you kind of think, okay, is this just going to be a really like, accurate thing? Mm-hmm. And also I think that I mean, uh, people I think now are familiar with the show and the general concept and the the feeling of it, but I feel like when it first came out, a a musical about this labor strike from the 1800s, like that's kind of a hard sell to get people to watch.
1: Yeah, yeah. But I think that the attempt at telling, you know, a, a fictionalized version of history ultimately did us so much good in our development. Mm -hmm. Like, even when they're talking about the establishment of a union. So it's spelled out a lot more clearly in the musical than it is the movie. Um, But Jack basically said, well, if we strike, then we are a union. Um, And the ability to really bring people together and take a stand for something that you believe in or your right to really eat and this is before um, you know, child labor laws were passed. This was probably two decades or so before um, child labor laws were really passed. But yeah, this was mm-hmm. such an important co- part, of the, part of the conversation. So like in the musical version, um, David is super overt about it. He said, well, you know, Jack says, what do you need to start a union? And David says, well, first you need members. Right? And then Jack looks behind him at all the newsies and said, well, I got members. And like, well, then you need an officer. And someone says, I nominate Jack president. Um, And then you need a, you know, mission statement or a mission of purpose. And when you think about like, what you need to do to really bring people together to make um, sustainable social change, the establishment of those principles is such an essential part. Mm -hmm. Um, So like, yes, maybe a tough sell, and maybe that's not why it did so well in the theaters, um, originally, but I, I think that it's its messaging in such a fun and joyous way has helped make it as impactful as it has been.
0: Yeah. And honestly, I think I feel now that I've seen both, I've seen the movie and now that I've seen the musical version, I, I honestly think that the musical feels like a little bit more powerful because mm. there's something about like when they cut to the audience once in a while and you could just see like, oh, they're all kind of witness to history and just like, the the plainness of just these we all deserve rights and to be treated fairly because the way that jack i didn't write down the exact uh quote of it but jack said like look we all work for the paper and we are happy to do this work but we want to be treated as equals we want to have a seat at the table and that's such an important thing and now you see that a lot of companies even if they don't pay as much they'll do stock dividends or some other thing where it's not that much but it's at least a symbolic gesture that you are part of this company.
1: Yeah. And there are still so many companies and organizations that have so far to go. Um, You know, like even speaking about um, the nonprofit sector where I've spent the past decade of my career, there are so many organizational leaders who really prey on the young and vulnerable Part of their employment body that they're not going to challenge norms, Mm -hmm. um, that they're not going to ask for raises and promotions, that they're not going to articulate a need for change because they have been uh, kind of like forced into this mentality of like, well, the economy is awful, so you better be lucky. You you better consider yourself lucky that you are even here in the first place.
0: Yeah, so you're, like, you're reminding me of so many different memes on LinkedIn. Yeah, <laughs> there are always these. Okay, well, I mean, the one that I always see is like, "Why are you stressing and killing yourself over something that will replace you in two weeks, if mm-hmm. need be?" Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's such an important thing. And uh, oh man, I forgot. I was gonna talk another part about the. Oh, so <laughs> <laughs> I, I was trying to remember, so I was stalling, but. Uh, Another very important thing kind of going off of what Newsies talks about with the labor movement is, like, all of these labor movements and revolutions, they're always seen and painted as unpopular. Mm -hmm. Like, if you turn on the news or even if you do a Google News alert for, like, union... It's always paints the unions as greedy, terrible, and maybe once in a blue moon that's the case. But when you're looking at like nurses unions and teachers unions, and they're I mean, saying, in the past
1: month, like you know, in both California and Colorado, there have been teacher strikes having to do with um, having to do with the rights of teachers in uh, in various communities.
0: Yeah, and the, a lot of news stations they'll say, oh, they're just Saying everything, they keep going on strikes, so they can get more and more money, and it's like we these are things that we value in our society until it comes to actually paying for them,
1: right? For and sure. these are
0: conversations that I had as an 11 year old at camp,
1: right? Right, for sure, for like, sure. Like, uh, that's
0: the thing, this movie does so well, and even though we were talking about that, it's a little bit drier, uh, in terms of subjects, but I mean, obviously, in response to a lot of other Disney movies about historical events like Pocahontas oh my God. and Mulan. <laughs> this is so much more accurate while without necessarily watering it down and they make it palatable, but it's still this complex thing. Like the Newsies win, but they don't really win.
1: Yeah. Okay. Right. So there's three components of what we're seeing here. So one is how the movie tells the history, how the musical tells the history, and then what actually happened, right? Mm -hmm. So there was this Newsboys strike in New York um, in 1899. Um, And they did try and raise the price of papers, and there was this strike. Um, And the, the tipping point for the strike and the battle was actually... Closing off the Brooklyn Bridge Yes Right so like You literally So when you talk about Like what's it going to take To stop the wagons Or like What's it going to take To stop the wagons da, 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 da. Are we ready Yeah Yeah, yeah Totally <laughs> um, And so you have These newsboys Who are blocking The transit between um, t- the two, uh, these two New York, New York boroughs, between Brooklyn and Manhattan, that really got Pulitzer's attention, which they make a stronger allusion to in the musical than the movie. Um, but then what you actually see happening is, um, I think in the end, there wasn't a decrease in the price, but the papers did, um, did agree to buy back what wasn't sold. So um, in in both the movie and and the musical, you have David um, responding to Pulitzer saying, whoever doesn't act in his own self-interest is a fool. Mm-hmm. And then David said, you know, what does that make you? Circulation has been down 70% since the beginning of the strike. Um, and then in the musical version, um, Pulitzer pulls Jack aside and they actually begin to negotiate. So even though the end result in the musical is an uh, totally factually accurate, they do talk about the paper agreeing to buy back so they don't... What's the line? It's like, we have to eat what we don't sell.
0: Yeah, they, yeah. S- they say in the beginning of Carrying the Banner, yeah. uh, why, uh, weasel makes, me, makes eat me eat Just makes me eat them after. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah.
1: Just makes me eat them <sighs> after. <clears throat> right. right.
0: Uh, yeah, and, uh, and I think that's also important, just like the nuance of negotiations that things aren't always going to go your way, and even a little victory is still a victory in itself. Wow, you're starting to get him trained. Yeah, uh, so so if you can hear in the background, Ducky has been uh, chewing on me for about uh, 10 minutes now, but it's very cute, and he is not powerful. So, oh.
1: Very excitable.
0: He heard a thing, so he got distracted for a second.
1: Ducky the dog, you know? Ducky
0: the dog, he's a crazy boy, but we love him so much. Um, uh, actually now I remember the le- total least favorite part of the musical, uh, was that they gave Pulitzer like songs.
1: Oh yeah. The bottom and, line. Uh, oh,
0: those songs were so bad.
1: I know. I know. It's like the cheer up Charlie. It's like the songs that you fast forward through when yeah. you watch it.
0: <laughs> but, uh, we, we, we power through it. Um, and, uh, a little bit of, uh, history about, Newsies. So this was obviously, um, this was the 90s for Disney. And so this was kind of the height of uh, musician, uh, composer Alan Menken, who is obviously famous for. So he did all of these different musicals during the Disney Renaissance. And uh, this was one of the first times in a while that he didn't use his regular collaborator, Jack Feldman. Because uh, Jack Feldman, around the time of Little Mermaid, I believe, who uh, and he was kind of the songwriter to Alan Menken's uh, comp- composition, he uh, was diagnosed with AIDS. Oh, no. And so uh, this was kind of like the first project that uh, uh, Ashman couldn't do, but kind of uh, Little Mermaid and Aladdin were kind of his like last things mm. uh, before passing. And that's, I think, part of another thing that sometimes if you listen to the, the, the songs in Newsies, they kind of feel... Almost like that Disney magic, but there's something off oh, about it. Oh, uh,
1: interesting. Because
0: also Jack Feldman, he's most famous for, he wrote uh, lyrics for uh, Lion King 2, Simba's Pride. And also he wrote the lyrics for Ban- Barry Manilow's Copacabana. Hmm. That's, so that's his big wow. thing.
1: Wow.
0: And that's not to say that the, these songs are bad by any means, no. but it's, uh, it's very much like that's kind of the level that we're dealing with uh, in Newsies. Fun fact. Fun and fact. and I, I think this is one of the only Disney movies to be nominated for Razzies. Cause,
1: uh, and I totally know what that is, but the sure, listeners th- so, yeah, don't, yeah.
0: So the Razzies, it's this bull poop thing that like, <laughs> it's just like these guys that are like, so the Oscars celebrate good movies, we're gonna make a watch of a bad movies. Oh, and good. so uh, Newsies was nominated for five Razzies in 1993, and they won uh, for the worst song with High Times, Hard Times. Oh. which I think that's the second it's vaudeville song. It's the second song. one,
1: and yeah, in, uh, in Meta's in theater. Yeah. 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 Alright. Alright.
0: But also, like, famously the Razzies, they're just kind of, like, annoying guys that are like, yeah, movies are stupid and everybody should be punished for it
1: oh jeez.
0: uh so it's very fun
1: nothing like just putting negativity out in there to the to the whole world sounds like they could really use some of that newsies spirit to do something productive yeah, we
0: should unionize against the Razzie awards totally totally and the world will know
1: yeah the world will know how rude you
0: are yeah have Come we brought on. up what, what's your favorite song in newsies
1: Oh, boy. Um,
0: I know it's a hard question. It,
1: it really, really is. Um, I think my favorite um, musical moment in the movie, um, they actually didn't use in the musical. And so that is the reprise of The World Will Know. So when they're first singing The World Will Know, they said, you know, like, when you got a hundred voices singing, who can hear a lousy blow? right? Yeah. And it's like, it's just part of the song you don't really think about it. But at the very end of the film, after they've distributed the Newsies banner to um, the child laborers all throughout the city and they're wandering at at, um, Greeley Square, which we can get into a bit of the history um, and kind of locationality of a little bit. Yeah. so they're hanging around uh, by the the Horace Greeley statue, and they don't think anyone's gonna come. And they start to reprise the song, and then you hear in the distance, starting to swell, like from far away, coming closer. When you got a million voices singing, and every time, every time, it just like I even even just talking about it, <laughs> I have goosebumps on my arms because it it really just shows the power of taking a stand and coming together. And all it really takes is one voice who is willing to rise up and say, this is not okay to point out to other people that you are being exploited. And if you come and join us, we can do something together. Mm -hmm. And then a million voices singing, who can hear a lousy whistle blow? It is such a powerful moment. And so maybe that's difficult to capture um, on the stage, but it's... Yeah,
0: because it ended up being kind of more so in the musical that... A lot of the other boroughs and parts of New York were kind of holding out for Brooklyn because Brooklyn was kind of like the symbolic like centerpiece of the newsies for some reason
1: Spot Collin makes me noivis, and it's also it's a it's a funny choice that they made in the musical that that one you know that one strong line that Spot Collins says when um the strike is still going on and they're starting to get roughed up by the cops, and then Spot Collin says. Never fear, Brooklyn's here! And then they turned that line into into a a whole song. And at first
0: I was like, oh no. But then I got into it by the end of (laughs) it.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, never fear, Brooklyn's here!
0: Yeah. Also, it was nice watching the musical because they definitely were like, okay, we need to just get the the buffest, hottest dancers ever. And I was like, great, this is fun to watch because in the movie, they're all little scrawny people because, you know, they're... Uh, homeless children, essentially. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, but no,
1: but in, I mean, in the stage version, you look at how, uh, you know, how incredible the human body is in the, their ability to achieve these insane dance moves. They're like jumping and it's like that spinning guy that did, in like, the That like that
0: that that thing where it's like a hand, like a handstand that turns into a backflip. Like, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. He did yeah, that yeah.
1: every night. Yeah, yeah. It's I mean, like in the tap number, there was one shot where you can actually see. Um, like the calf muscles of some of the dancers and like that is the human body man like these it is like it is unbelievably unbelievably impressive
0: yeah uh yeah so if if you're if you were in the newsies uh (laughs) uh, show uh, you
1: can dm ross
0: (laughs) yeah you can dm me uh don't tell my boyfriend um Well, no, we have a clause in a relationship 're like you, no cheating except for except one except for of the newsies. newsies.
1: It's fine. It's Actually, fine. I went to
0: high school with somebody. I think he either did a local production or maybe he was in the Torco Oh, that's so for cool. a little while. I haven't talked to him in a while. Uh, I probably won't talk to him to ask him <laughs> if that's true. Um, so anyway, yeah. So anyway, um, yeah. So I uh, I'm trying to I'm looking at my notes to see what other what other things that we have to cover because we've kind of talked about. Um, uh, the character of Catherine being a new addition to the musical, Mm -hmm. uh, we talked about, or I talked about Alan Menken. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. uh, did you, uh, say what your worst, your least favorite song is?
1: Um, so I think in the, in the movie version, I think I will have to agree with the, what are they called? The Razzies?
0: Yes. Yeah. The high times, hard times. Yeah.
1: It just, it's like a throwaway song, but in the musical, definitely the bottom line is like, what? Pulitzer, like you don't—you're
0: not winning a Pulitzer for that. Yeah, song. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. You yeah. don't. We don't. We don't need you here for. We we didn't hire you for this Pulitzer.
0: Yeah, well, like, I was I was talking with because uh, I I had uh, friends over and so we were I made them watch this this morning, and we were talking about that. The important thing in musicals is that a song can be fun, but it has to advance the plot in a way. And it's just this is easier to sing a song than to just have a whole scene. And there's. A couple songs in the movie that just don't do anything. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And in the musical, the Pulitzer song, is just like, yeah, yeah, we get it. He's evil. He, yeah, 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 Or evil. He wants better profit margins, but he won't employ pictures. Right. Which is bananas. Like, just get a picture. Yeah. Um. <laughs> but, but yeah, I think all in all... Uh, oh, yeah, I also got chills at the end of Seize the Day. Oh, yeah. Because... Uh, Uh, the audience does this really long standing ovation for it
1: and
0: like yeah there's just something so powerful about this musical I mean we've been saying it over and over again but it's just it, it makes you remember that we are powerful as individuals and especially like not to get on my soapbox but like in this political climate where it seems like you have to be at the moment ready to defend any opinion and feeling that you have. Any
1: right that a person has that is like on the brink of conceivably being taken away.
0: And even though it doesn't seem like doing much, just raising your voice and telling other people, this is what is happening and this is what needs to happen. uh, It might not change something in that moment, but in the end it's better than just sitting idly by
1: Well right and then to really reflect back on on that moment um, of the world will know reprise right that they didn't actually know if it was going to make a difference yeah and it's really scary to be a person who, who takes a stand um, but the the payoffs are bringing in people who um, who you know will benefit from the change that you raise in your voice. Yeah. Um, can really, really make.
0: And it doesn't have to be physically raising your voice. Because me personally, mm-hmm. I um, get very nervous when it comes to large demonstrations. So it, mm-hmm. we're, we're in Philadelphia. A couple months ago, um, the Proud Boys, they mm-hmm. were doing a rally right near the uh, Jewish History Museum. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people were saying, oh, we're going to go to that and tell them what's what. And I'm And I was very much against that. But it's just because you're not showing up in person doesn't mean that you can't show up. In other ways, donating your time, donating actual money, or even just passively sharing something—it's better than doing nothing.
1: Yeah, for sure. And you know, I'm—I'm I'm definitely a big fan of community organizing around causes that are really—that uh, are really deep to me. And I mean, um, these days, things like gun reform, things like women's rights, um, and climate change are at the very top of my list. And I know, I trust that I'm not alone. In the changes that I would like to see. And one of the most powerful things about demonstrations for me is that, um, you know, people say, well, what does it really achieve? Well, I think by and large, it lets people know that they are not alone and there is mobility behind it. Mm -hmm. At a time where we have, more women in Congress than ever before, like is that a result of what the uh, the power that the women 's March has really yielded? I think that that has something to do with it, definitely, just saying like you know you are not alone in your thoughts, you are not alone in your desire to change things. Um, but there are still, if, if protests and, and, uh, and larger gatherings are not the place where you feel like you can have the most significant impact, there are ways to raise your voice and make a change, you know, like give money, give time, no, just knowledge is, is so much power. Also, social media is a really powerful way to, uh, to let people know where you're at and to, and to start conversations, hopefully, conversations that will then continue in person and not in someone's Facebook thread.
0: Yeah, and I think at summer camp, and this is this episode is not an ad for Camp Galil, it just happens that we both care a lot about it. And it did shape us, partly because of this movie. Absolutely. But we um, would have kind of stage demonstrations at camp to kind of get that feeling. But we also, we went into the real world. I remember we, uh, I believe in 2006, actually, we went, there was some sort of rally going on in Philadelphia about Israel and mm-hmm. so a bunch of I think we went uh to that rally as a camp and even if people didn't quite agree with us, it was just a matter of saying that like this is who we are and we are able and should be able to share our opinions.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean listen <laughs> I
0: we, I think they're also we did sing newsy songs at that rally. I
1: think it's I think it's really appropriate. And and super topically um, in October, when the, uh, the shooting massacre happened in Pittsburgh, it was yeah. a combination of Camp Galil folk, one of whom is Ross's brother, Max. Um, the other whom of whom is our friend Pele, who is Ross's longtime camp counselor. Mm-hmm. Um, it was the, it was the organizing power and energy of these people who we knew we all shared this experience and this ability to organize. And when we knew the Jewish community really needed to come together in a time of, fear and a time of hurt um, to to say, like, we will not be terrorized. We're not going to stay in our homes. And we organized a vigil in Rittenhouse Square over the course of seven hours that That's right. hundreds of people came to. And it was just the decision to say like, we need to be together tonight. I'm not going to deal with the organizational politics of the community. Like I know that people need to come out and be with other people tonight. So let's, let's make it happen.
0: Yeah. And taking that for a step and say, cause, uh, I, after that happened, I, just like I was saying before, I did not really feel comfortable going out in the open because I was feeling very vulnerable, mm-hmm. but it's still possible. Like I shared in different Facebook groups and It's so easy to, when you feel victimized or when you feel that people are coming for your rights, it is so easy to kind of just step back and flee, much like Jack wanted to flee to Santa Fe. But letting people around you speak their mind and letting them just talk to you and just feeling like you're not alone can achieve so much more.
1: And, And look at what the characterization of this Newsboys Union was really able to achieve together. Um, and it was organizing like this in New York city that was really, um, that really propelled the labor movement forward. Um, and you, like, like Ross and I have said, there continue to be challenges in the workforce. And if you listener are someone who is feeling challenged in your place of work, um, you're probably not alone.
0: Yeah. And You might be listening to this and thinking, oh, it's these two uber-liberal people just talking about organizing, but boiling it down, all we're saying is we have the First Amendment right to free speech, the right to assembly. Why not use that? They are in place and they are guaranteed to us for a reason because people will try to take it away and people will try to just use your complacency against you.
1: That's true. I mean, in, in the in the movie, Jack says to Pulitzer, I must have you really scared, old man. And the fact that this 17-year-old looks this, like, you know, one of the most powerful people in New York City in the face and recognizes his fear. And there is a, um, I think the Seize the Day reprise in the musical also says, like, you know, they wouldn't be reacting this way if they knew that they were going to win.
0: Yeah, because you can just if, you can just ignore something, but if it's really something meaningful and you're scared that you're gonna lose, that's when you fight back. That's when the fight or flight kicks in.
1: That's true. I actually, I, I worked for um, an awful woman um, a couple years ago who <laughs> at one point she told me, um, she's like, I have been doing this kind of work longer than you've been alive. And it was in that moment that I realized how terrified she was of me and that my knowledge and my ambition was going to likely make her irrelevant. And so mm-hmm. she, she made it her business to shut me down. Well, news for you, lady. I work for this amazing summer camp called Camp Galil. And
0: we're all coming to take we'll you Well, kind down. of.
1: Listen, like when you look at the things that our teens are doing at camp, they're actively engaged in um, gun control legislation with organizations like March for Our Lives, with Ceasefire PA. Um, that like, I it, part of the way that I want to give back is contribute to this generation of youth who want to change the world.
0: Yeah, and they're the ones that are coming to us and saying this is what we want to do, this is what we think, help us achieve this. Like, we're not, uh, when I was a camper, and even when I was a counselor, like, we were not feeding the kids what to say, and we were not fed what to say. It was very much a collaborative and almost equal thing, that we are all fighting for the same thing.
1: Yeah, and, um, and the Catherine character talks about that in, in Watch What Happens. Um, and she's talking about like power tends to corrupt and what power does. And, um, one of the, one of the phrases she says is, um, just look at the look around at the world we're inheriting and think of the one that we'll create. Their mistake is they got old. This is not a, a mistake we'll be making. No, sir. We'll stay young forever. And so that really does capture the spirit of the youth. And there's so much like when you get older, you'll, you know, you'll become jaded and you um, will stop fighting for these things that you really believe in. But I think all of that is, is, is in the head that like, you just kind of need to like, like Ross and I have embraced what, the staged musical version has really achieved to be open to what the future can look like and not just hold on to what it is you know because you're scared of what might become and that you yourself will be less relevant. Well, like embrace the voice of those both younger and older than you are and uh, your wisdom will prevail. Beautiful. Thanks.
0: Yeah, and also Jeremy Jordan is Jack in the musical, and he's great.
1: He's great, yeah. Ithaca College alum, shout out Ithaca College. Oh, I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah, yeah, He was wow. a few years older than I am. Okay. Yeah, so I like know people who like know <laughs> him, but like I don't know him.
0: I know a few. I'm I'm a couple uh, degrees away from some celebrities. Yeah, yeah no, yeah, like we all well, it's are. It's fine, and, and it's fine. Yeah, we're not angry about it.
1: Yeah. No, it's cool, it's cool.
0: No, it's great. Um <laughs> before we before we rate things um do you have any final thoughts Molly about just the show in general um the the movie the musical any other kind of topics that we haven't brought up yet
1: Yeah um we covered we covered a lot that I had on on my on my list Um so for those who are uh, not familiar with New York geography um so uh Newsy Square as it's referred to in the uh in the musical version and um uh Greeley Square which is the opening shot in the movie um is um uh, I wrote down exactly the cross streets it's like 32nd and Broadway something like that yeah between West 32nd Street and West 33rd Street between Broadway and Sixth Avenue so that's like midtown east ish kind of like it's pretty much like on the border of koreatown so um when they're divvying up where all the newsies are gonna go to try and recruit for um for the strike they're saying all right like i'll go to harlem like you know i'll you know i got midtown i'll go here it's crutchy it is crutchy who volunteers to go to the bronx so the Bronx, and so crutchy has got one good leg and one not good leg. The Bronx is about ten miles. Yeah. from From where that is, so I'm like, all right. So this, I don't know if I would encourage Crutchy to take the midtown in, you know, in support. Or go
0: with a friend. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Like I don't know if these guys have the have the money to ride the trolley, but I guess yeah. the trolley strike is in theory yeah. happening simultaneously. Right. So how are they getting around? Not sure, but chances are Crutchy is not making the ten mile trek to the Bronx and back.
0: And then he gets arrested, so he doesn't have to. Oh
1: yeah, that's true. That's yeah. true.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was yeah. That was probably the most horrific part of the musical. I was like, oh god, they are really just, ooh, they're just showing a lot of uh, anger. And the guy, a weasel, going around with an actual baseball bat. I know. Was. Um, this was also a dumb connection that I made, but, uh, because that whole joke of like, hey, Weasel, it's Weisel, and I thought, is this a relative of... No, Ellie No,
1: no, no, no. The, the, the timing of everything is like very different.
0: <laughs> well, I felt like, oh, <laughs> you kids don't know anything. I have cousins in Poland and everything's going perfectly over oh, there. Oh, God.
1: Right, right, right. Yeah. Turn, turn of the century. Even before the First World War. Ah. Still hated Jews there then. So speaking of Jews. So, so. Uh,
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's right.
1: So um, David's family. So they give that they give them a last name in the uh, movie, but they don't in the musical, I think. In the
0: musical? they're oh. they're credited uh I it's like david it,
1: and les jacobs is the family where i'm like yes. oh shalom <laughs> um I, yeah there are there are like definitely like jewish cultural illusions that that i picked up on based on my own cultural yeah, experience i, that I don't, I don't know think they, that was a shabbat dinner
0: when um D- david takes jack
1: no i don't think but it was so. but it was
0: just like just that whole idea of just like the whole family coming together for yeah. dinner no matter what they're doing during the day
1: yeah you can yeah.
0: hear your your parents guilt being like are you gonna be home for dinner
1: are you gonna be home for dinner <laughs>
0: we're gonna add more water to the soup yeah Don't worry. yeah
1: yeah that's that's so true there's also um in what's called jacoby's deli in the musical yeah the the waiter the guy who owns the place definitely like eh. it was Tavia. Yeah, yeah. I was g yeah, I was like I was I was catching some judar. There was also a really nice exchange with the one guy who wanted seltzer. So uh, yeah. as Ross and I each sit, sit here on sipping our uh carbonated water, shout out to that newsie who wanted seltzer, but even then it was if too he couldn't sad. afford it. I know. He's like, I'll
0: have regular water. I thought you might say that. <laughs> and the audience is like, Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think, <laughs> like for me. <laughs> The, like, the one last thing to mention, and it's, like, the probably the lamest joke, because it's just, like, a lame joke in general, but it gets a huge laugh every single time, is uh, when they're singing about, like, oh, an exciting headline, and then the one guy says, what about a crooked politician? And yeah. then the kid's say, hey, like, that ain't news
1: no more. more. Yeah. Because
0: boy, oh boy. Like, I was thinking about that as I was, like, on the bus coming here, and mm-hmm. I was like, it's a funny joke, but at the same time, like, oh, yeah, that's just a thing that we always have had to deal with and most likely always will have to deal with. Like we were saying 15 minutes ago, uh, and Catherine was saying that power can corrupt and you have to take all these kind of caveats, uh, to do this thing that you want to do for the greater good.
1: Yeah. I mean, listen, I wish that, um, the sexuality of a politician would be irrelevant in 1900, but
0: you know, I wish even that in, was ain't news no more. Right,
1: for sure, <laughs> but like it definitely if 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 in 1900 um it was no longer uh if it was no longer news about the sexuality of a politician, that in and of itself would be something that we can celebrate. But we still oh we still remark if a politician has a sexual has a sexual orientation other than
0: heterosexual. Or if it just has sex. Like uh recently the news there was a whole headline like Cory Booker has a girlfriend, and that was the whole what, headline. What? Yeah,
1: well, you know, headlines don't sell papers. Newsies sell that, oh, papes. Oh, that's
0: right. Um, I also didn't know that he was single.
1: I, it's like, I think it's like part of his persona.
0: Yeah, he's a cool guy. He spoke at my graduation.
1: Ooh, yeah.
0: It was very inspiring.
1: We are, uh, we're not making, uh, we're not backing any of the, you know, presidential hopefuls at this point to you. Yeah, years we, we'll, do the a, we'll do a
0: special Kid Flicks election special.
1: <laughs> Yeah, we'll yeah, see. Yeah, yeah, we'll yeah.
0: tweet at all of them and see what their favorite movie is. No,
1: but I think that like the first openly bisexual Congressperson was elected in this last round, and like, what? I don't care.
0: Yeah, like, hey, hey, dummy, that ain't news. I mean, I guess it it is new. Well, it's more like, oh, it there hasn't been before that. Yeah, like I, I, I was reading this article the other day talking about like the religions of presidents and mm-hmm. the fact that all but one of them has been Protestant is just like an interesting thing that I never really thought about. Like
1: Kennedy was a Catholic. Yeah, Kennedy yeah. was Catholic. Yeah. And
0: I still don't quite know what that means in relation mm-hmm. to each other, but mm-hmm. it's a weird coincidence that, and uh, like, who knows when we'll have a, a Jewish president.
1: <laughs> Again, mm-hmm. we are not remarking as yeah. to the presidential hopefuls oh, in that is
0: That is going to be... The worst when there's a front runner, Jew, because there's who, antisemitism has been on the rise. It is gonna be on the
1: right and the left.
0: Yeah, cool, cool, it's cool. it's gonna be a lot. Cool, but cool, speaking cool. of a lot, uh, l- l- we've been talking a lot about this movie. Let's let's get down to rating it. So obviously, uh, on this podcast, we rate everything on a scale of zero to five. You can be as minute and specific with your uh, rating as possible. So Molly. What, what what would you give Newsies?
1: Wait, are we rating the 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 musical, the film? Are we rating the, the musical a, version of the?
0: That's a great question. Yeah, uh, I should have thought of this when I was coming down. Uh, honestly, I feel like I would rate them both similarly, and I'm kind of I'm kind of putting them together because mm. I think you can kind of give and take. Like, oh, I think the musical did this part better than the mm-hmm. movie, but the movie has this part that's better. So, yeah. uh, if you if you would like to give them separate ratings, that's totally fine.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think because of the staying power um, and relevance that this story has had in my life for, you know, probably the past twenty five years, um, I you know I would definitely put it very high. Like I think I would give it like a four point five. Yeah. Um, you know, like I just, I feel like I'm not supposed to give it a five because like I've never rated any other movie in this way before. <laughs> so like, I don't want to say it's the best, but, um, Andrew and I did have conversations about the role that the movie will play in the lives of our future children. One day I was like, this should kind of be the only movie that they watch. Yeah. You know, that's like, I, I want them to know it, but we agreed on the movie version, not the staged version.
0: Like I think you can take them to go see the musical, and that'll yeah. be a great adventure. Yeah. And also, speak of the devil, is it?
1: It's Jody.
0: Oh, it's Jody. <laughs> Speaking
1: of Andrew, it's Jody. Speaking
0: of Jody, so you, you remember her from last week's episode? Um, so I, I, I'm pretty much. I think I'm pretty much with you. Uh, I was going to give a cutesy four point. 1887... Uh, oh. 1889, because I thought that'd yeah, be funny. Yeah, yeah. But I th- honestly, I think I'm going to go 4.4 with you, because I, I think I like the musical a little bit better than the movie, but mm-hmm. uh, it's one of the few times that I've reviewed something for the show where the nostalgia pretty much lived up, and even if I didn't really feel a longing for the movie, it kind of related something new, and it felt fresh in my head. Yeah. So crunching the numbers, we're giving... Uh uh newsies a uh, four point four five, wow. which is pretty darn high. That puts it right in between uh Who Framed Roger Rabbit and Coraline.
1: Wow. Which that's specific as
0: hell. Yeah. But out now, as more and more people are filing into your apartment, this there is a there. big celebration. Actually, all of you
1: Our camp are camp, friends. camp people. Yeah. So
0: here, Jody, do you wanna give a quick uh did you did you like newsies? Here, lean down and say. Well, I haven't seen the movie version. You've never seen it? I don't... probably I have. Yeah. Maybe at camp, I don't remember. But you liked it. Yeah, I like it better than Cat in the Hat probably. Yeah, better than Cat in the and Hat and then Lev. What? Did you like... <laughs> did you like Newsies? Yeah, I'm a New fan. Great. <laughs>
1: good, good, good. You can both stay. <laughs>
0: Great, fantastic. So let, let, I guess let's wrap things up here so we can be with our, our friends. Our
1: camp friends. Yeah,
0: our camp friends. But um, uh, uh, Molly, is there anything that you, you would like to uh, promote or point people to? Aside with, from
1: Camp Khalil? Yeah, or... either with
0: your job or just uh, with your life in general.
1: Yeah, no, I would definitely go back to saying that if you are feeling disenfranchised in your place of work, look for partners, look for allies, look for people with whom you can... Um, you can organize and maybe even unionize and really make a difference and make things better for yourself as well as the people around you. And if you want a promotion, ask for promotion. If you want a raise, ask for a raise. And if the answer is no, ask about what it takes to be able to get you there and hold your employer to it.
0: I'm going to add inspirational music behind that, if I remember. (laughs) Uh, And then on a a not... uh, uh, inspirational note uh, if you're listening to this the day it comes out uh, tomorrow night at uh, Milk Boy South I will be doing stand up uh, at 8pm so definitely come out to that I think it's free um, but Molly thank you so much for coming on and yeah. we've been talking about this for a while and it's great that we finally did it
1: yeah absolutely yeah. absolutely go out and seize the day everyone uh, yep I did it
0: carry the banner through it all carry
1: the banner through it all
0: yeah so that, that is all for today we will hear you next week and go go gadget and show